0: Welcome to PDPW's podcast. Here's Bill Baker. Thank you for joining and supporting the PDPW podcast, where this week our guest is Tom Thibodeau, a longtime family member of PDPW, and he shares the importance of being part of a family. As Tom describes it, family is a place where you should belong. It's a refuge to feel protected and respected. So let's join family member Tom Thibodeau with this week's PDPW podcast feels so good to talk with you as it is every time that we are together. And today I want to talk about a common experience that you and I share with everyone who's listening. And that is what it is to belong to a family. Family, those people who know us better than anyone else. Family, those people who knew us from before we were born. In Psalm 139, while I knit you together in your mother's womb, mind who you were. And so did our moms. And our families at that point were even beginning to expect us to come into the world and we're choosing names, wondering if we would be a boy or a girl, what our likes or dislikes might be. Already our lives were formed as we were being expected coming into the world. My wife and I, before we got married, worked at a residential treatment center. This were for, for children who had oftentimes not made it in foster homes had been given up by their own families for a variety of different reasons. And one of the little people that we had entrusted to our care was a sweet 10-year-old little girl. She had been adopted twice by age 10. Uh, Her first adoptive family, three months after she was adopted, the adoptive father um, came down with cancer. The adoptive mother thought she could not take care of one more child, and so she gave up this young girl for, for adoption. She was adopted by a second family. And this family, by the time she was seven years of age, were having problems with their other children and didn't think they could take care of one more child. And so, again, they gave her up for adoption. She went to a foster care and was given these terrible diagnoses of attachment disorder. Well, she'd been rejected, and she hadn't even been 10. So here she was with us, and we would have meetings at night and sit around the circle and and the girls would talk about their day, their hopes, their aspirations, their fears, and of course, of their past pain. And one night we're sitting in a group, not in, in December, and I asked the question, What would you like for Christmas that money can't buy? And this little girl, 10 years of age, said, I want a family. I want a family. Isn't it extraordinary? Things that money can't buy, a family's love, sincerity, belonging, a place where we feel safe, protected, respected. A number of our children at the holidays are very, very difficult because they didn't have homes to go to. There was no one to take them back in. They had left foster families. They were sent there, had lost touch with their original families of origin and Every so once in a while, and during Christmas, the staff would have to stay with four or five children. And I remember one night we're there, and it's the latter part of December, and when they're showing television shows, and the show was in terms of Rudolph the red and the Reindeer, and we all remember that classic with Burl Ives, and it comes to the point where Rudolph feels like he that doesn't belong, and he's running away. And then they go off to the Island of the Misfit Toys, toys that hadn't been delivered, that hadn't broken or disabled in some way. And one of the children sitting there in the dark of the night said, I guess we're the Island of the Misfit children. We're the Misfit kids. You always feel like a misfit when you don't belong. Family is a place where we first learn how to belong. All of us need people we can belong to, knowing that being with them is coming home. Who are the people we are at home with? We are the people we feel most at home? Mark Twain said, home's that place where they have to take you in. A family is our refuge in a storm of not belonging. Our family protects us and says, you fit in here, you belong. All across the world families are staying apart, social distancing, protecting each other's health and well being. It is an act of love, an act of tough love, necessary love, but love to be sure. And while it is important to recognize present realities and hardships that all of us might be facing because of COVID and the economy of variety of other things that have been taking place recently, I think it might be valuable to spend some time embracing and honoring our past, recognizing that tough love and sacrifices were demanded of our ancestors, as we are being asked to make sacrifices now in our own day. How do our grandparents, uncles and aunts, great uncles and aunts, how do they navigate the difficulty of the 30s, the 40s, World War II, Korea, rebuilding the economy, sending their sons and daughters off to Vietnam, knowing the disruption of the civil rights movement and changing roles in our families. Dr. Murray Bowen from George Washington University developed a model for understanding our families, and his model is called The genogram, it is literally sitting down and developing your family tree on both sides of your family, your paternal grandparents and your maternal grandparents, understanding that we all come from different family settings. What were the strengths of your grandfather? What did he enjoy doing? What were his habits? What were his hobbies? What was it like being with your grandpa? What was your grandma like? What was her house like? What did you enjoy doing with your paternal grandmother? What was your mom's mom like? How was your mom like your grandma? How are you like your mom? What was your mom's dad like? What was his temperament? What were her skills and abilities? What are the gifts The talents, the interests, the habits that have been passed down for generations. These are our strengths. One of the biggest areas of disagreement in the first year of marriage is Christmas. We all marry into families who celebrate Christmas differently. Or sometimes we make an immature judgment incorrectly. Some families begin their Christmas on Christmas Eve. Some people have it in the first week of December. Some families gather in January. Others wait until the excitement of Christmas morning itself. And we all have different foods. We all have different ways of gathering with each other. For for ethnic reasons, religious reasons, economic or historical reasons, we all have our own unique family histories family stories may i suggest that this is the year of the family story and storytelling we're not going out black friday's off the list no place really to go and have dinner or to escape to for a piece of pie so here we are at home around our own tables fireplaces family rooms it might be a good time we live, our family stories, and histories. When my father was 70 years of age, he returned to school to take a class at a university called Memories and Memoirs. At 70 years of age, he was the oldest person in class of 10. The teacher that night said, now I'm going to have you develop a project, and we're going to begin on that project tonight, and I will hold you to it. So she went around the room asking each person what they wanted to do for their writing for that semester and memories and memoirs, and she came to my father and he said, "I want to write a story, a book." And the teacher said, uh, "What have you written, Mr. Thibodeau?" He said, "Well, I've written essays. And uh, have you written any short stories? No, and they're writing short stories. Uh, were they long essays? Uh, no, they're mostly about law and legal briefs. Have you written anything else, Mr. Thibodeau? Well, I would write letters to my children while they were in college." And you want to write a book? Yes, he said. She said, I'm going to hold you to it. He said, I hope so. That's why I took the class. And the book that he wanted to write was about his own life. But a question that dominated his life. His mother died when he was nine. 1929. French-Canadian Catholic. Living on a farm in northern Wisconsin. She was told that she was pregnant with her fourth child and she was developing toxemia. It would be better for her to go to the hospital or she would die giving birth at home. Her response, 1929, French Canadian Catholic, if God wants me to live, I'll live. If God wants me to die, I'll die. And my father said, I remember the day very clearly when I was nine years of age and the neighbor came and knocked on the school door The teacher called me up and told me to get my coat. I went home with my neighbor. They brought me into the house. I went upstairs to see my mother for the last time. And an aunt, who may have been well-meaning, said, Greg, be a man. Don't cry. He went in said goodbye to his mother who had died and never cried a tear until age 70 when he was sitting on the couch in my living room. And the emotional bedrock could no longer hold back the silence or the sadness or the loss. See, in all our family histories and all our stories, there are stories of loss, of trial, of sacrifice. These brave, thoughtful people, oftentimes with not many resources, made it through. So will we. My father then decided to write the book from the point of view of his mother, who's in heaven, but is not at peace. She had made this decision and wasn't sure that she had made the right decision. So she's in heaven and she's restless. And God gave her the task of helping to make sunsets. So he calls the book, Sunsets from Jenny, and begins to recount his whole life through the point of view of his mother looking down as he grew and developed. He was was extraordinary. I went to visit him at the end of the class. He was sitting in his office, had a manila envelope and pushed it across the table and said, "Here." I finished my story, um, my life story. I want, Do you want to read it? And I said, yeah, Dad, I want to read it. And he pushed it across. He said, okay, read it and tell me what you think. I realized I've been given a treasure here in a manila envelope with my father's life story. Sacred, complex, and up until that time, mostly untold. I brought it home and I put it in my safety deposit box, which is my underwear drawer. I don't know why everybody so much invests in safes. You realize that your most important stuff you do, you have, you put in your underwear drawer and somewhere in a dress or someplace under something else. And so I put it in my underwear drawer and one night later that summer when my wife and daughters were gone for the evening, I pulled off this manila envelope and I began to read. And here are stories of my grandfather. Here are the thoughts of my father, things that I had thought for a lifetime, but never discussed. I came to know my father in a way that I had never known him before. I came to know my grandmother, her name was Jenny. I never knew that, never knew it. He never mentioned his mother who had died. And what's extraordinary, my brother and I, when we went off to college, neither one of us dated when you're in high school, but we went off to college and we we discovered girls. And both of us had a girlfriend, and what do you suppose their name was, Jenny. And my father never said anything. I think it's important for us to realize that in all of our family histories, there are secrets. There are stories that are not told or carefully hidden, stories of pain and loss, shame and embarrassment. And yet, that all is part of the human condition. I read about stories of my grandpa, Art, who raised 14 kids in beef on rocky soil, a beef farmer in North Wisconsin. His brother owned. the grocery store and the butcher shop in that grocery store. And my father would write how people would come in for a cut of beef and that they had a better piece of gossip. They got a better cut of beef, a small town where everyone knew everyone else. This is the time of party lines. This is the time when people sat on their front porches and knew each other's business and supported each other's lives. Nothing was really hidden at that time, because people lived in a community where they looked out for each other, took care of each other, no matter how difficult it was. In his life, in his story, he talks about how his father remarried, and how he becomes a member of a blended family. We so often think that in the past, people had these perfect families of a mom and dad and a bunch of kids. We forget to realize that the number of people were widowed because of farm accidents or childbirth, the number of difficult situations that people had to endure in their family life, where other families took in other people's children because they were not able to take care of themselves during the Great Depression. All these marvelous stories that I realized was also my story as well. I always thought, see, it's so easy to think that my, my, my childhood was like my father's, and of course it wasn't. I grew up with both my parents, but we had our own struggles. And now my own children, as they grow up, they too will have their struggles, but they need to know the strength of their ancestors who made difficult sacrifices on their behalf. At the end of the Depression, my grandpa with his growing family, ends up sending his oldest three sons off to war, never to return until 1945 at the end of the war. All those marvelous memories of soldiers, young men from this country, not even 18 years of age that had gone off to the Second World War, who wrote those marvelous songs, I'll be home for Christmas, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. All these Christmas memories that come tumbling down, not of presents or gifts or shopping, but of families that were displaced and disrupted, waiting patiently for the years in which they would be able to gather again around a table sing the songs, worship, and belong to each other in each other's presence. My dad's story is my story, and now it's my children's story and my grandchildren's story. On my mother's side, what's amazing, if you'll see the parallels in our family, my mother's father died when he was nine, so both my parents grew up in single-parent households. They knew the death of a parent at a very early age. Today, we call that childhood trauma. But their parents did the best they could, provided in any way that they could for their families with very limited support, except from other families. So now is a season in which families gather. Not all families, but most families This is a season where everybody wants to belong. Think about our elders, who so often have been isolated now in long-term care facilities or assisted living and cannot be visited by family, but look forward to phone calls and handwritten cards and people standing outside their window being willing to sing and smile and celebrate we become the stories we tell. We are all members of families, and all of our families have stories worth telling. We all need people that we belong to, knowing that being with them is coming home. May we all find a place in someone else's heart this season, a place where we can call home a place we are we are welcomed and cherished and blessed and love our thanks to Tom Thibodeau for joining us this week on the PDPW podcast PDPW is dairy's professional development organization producer-led and membership-based we're here to share ideas solutions resources and experiences that help individual dairy producers and our industry as a whole succeed PDPW's focus is on producer professionalism, stakeholder engagement, and unified outreach. More info at pdpw.org.